Before we dive into today's episode, we have exciting news for our incredible audience. Brace yourselves for an empowering journey of healing and self-growth this September with our upcoming 21-Day Forgiveness Journey. For 21 days, we'll be sharing insightful stories and powerful strategies to help you master the art of forgiveness. We get it. Forgiveness can be tough. But remember, it's the key to breaking free from the chains of resentment and pain. And it's just a word until you do it. So let's make it happen together. Make these 21 days some of the most transformative of your life. And let's turn forgiveness into a shared, uplifting journey. Sign up at the pbtinstitute.com forward slash forgiveness and grab your handy tracker that we'll be using daily. We're thrilled to take this journey with you. Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Michael Ann Volterra. Michael Ann is an author, keynote speaker, and money coach who helps women transform their relationship with money to create a life they love. For over 20 years, she's been a thought leader in the field of financial psychology. Her strong background in emotional intelligence, paired with her practical money strategies, enable her clients to consciously design their life while escaping financial stress and anxiety. As if topics like betrayal, separation, divorce weren't complicated enough, there's often the additional factor of finances that needs to be addressed. How can you create a better and healthier relationship around money when your emotions may be all over the place? I have the perfect person to help. Get comfortable and really tune in to this episode. You're about to create a new and improved relationship with your finances. Here we go. Okay, everybody, I am speaking with Michael Ann Volterra today. We are talking about financial psychology. I didn't even know that was a thing. And it is. So we're talking about financial psychology as it relates to finances, divorce, getting yourself together after divorce as far as your finances go, and so much more. So welcome, Michael Ann. Hey, thank you so much. Hello from Seattle. I love this topic. Yeah. And this is something that, of course, this is from Betrayal to Breakthrough. When someone is facing divorce, it's a new, you know, they're navigating new waters that they may never have thought they'd ever have to enter into. And here they are. And before we get started with what they can do, what made you get into something like this? Boy, what a good question. So I'm a money coach. And, you know, I mean, it used to be that people would see a financial planner or a credit counselor if they had debt or investment issues, which are lovely. But the dilemma is neither of those fields is really well equipped to deal with the emotional side of money. And that's huge. You know, anyone that says money is not emotional, I personally think must be some type of robot. So money coaching really looks at both. You know, I love working with women on, yes, the practical side. You know, how do you deal with money so that you're never stressed and don't have debt? How do you learn how to manage your cash flow, so to speak? But it is emotional. And so we really also want to look at why we do what we do, which is, you know, what you and I are talking about today. And I think I was drawn to the psychology side of money, probably, I would say since I was like 18, because my undergrad was in economics, but my master's is in transpersonal psychology. Oh, that's what my PhD is in. There's very few of us who've done that. Wow. I know, know, you know, you and I could have a drink and talk about it for hours, you know. 
And I was in a real quandary because, you know, unlike you, you knew the such the path of deep work, but I was still interested in finance and money, but I so loved psychology. And so money coaching really allowed me to combine, you know, what you and I are calling financial psychology with really that practical side of how do you create a nourishing spending plan, just as an example, Mm -hmm. so that you're never stressed about money because, you know, women going through divorce, oh my goodness, there are few higher stress times in our lives. And so to have these tools to lower our stress is a big deal. Yeah, I love that. It's so important. It's so funny. You said, I went down this narrow path. I had to. I was just really looking to heal. And then the rest took on a life of its own. You know, it's interesting you say that about just the emotions around money, because as people come into the PBT Institute, you know, it's all about moving through the five stages from betrayal to breakthrough. And when someone is in this stage two, and very often they'll enter PBT in stage two or stage three, stage two is that shock. They're blindsided. They're devastated. They never saw it coming. And it's interesting because one of, maybe you wouldn't think it, but one of the things that we, that when I'm certifying one of our coaches, I remind them that when someone is in that stage two, they're just shocked you need to address the finances. I mean, of course you have all these other ideas of, you know, what can we do with this and all, and how can we move through it? But if finances are a real issue, they can't think past that. Maybe they've been completely wiped out. We, you know, we don't know. So in order just to get someone to realize they're in the right place, you can help them. The finances are really important. They have to be addressed. So what are some emotions, let's say, that you've seen when someone is, they are going through divorce and maybe this is the first time ever they've had to even think about this? It's a big deal, isn't it? Yeah. I think part of the biggest emotion that I see around money in divorce is simply fear, Mm -hmm. right? It's fear of, am I going to be okay? You know, the future was set or we thought it was set, right? We thought the future was going to be one particular way. And now everything has been thrown up in the air and there is so much fear around, am I going to be okay? Are my children going to be okay? And I I think that, you know, part of where it gets really interesting, Debbie, is people have different money personalities. And I would say there's two kind of, just to simplify it for your listeners, there's two real basic different personalities. There are people that I would call the, the, I call it the liberty personality versus the safe harbor personality. And a liberty personality type is really motivated by, you know, the point of money is freedom Mm. to do what I want when I want. Right. And I'm simplifying, of course, it sounds a little bit dramatic, but if you're what I call a safe harbor personality, the point of money is to be secure and to be safe. And, you know, we don't think about our money personalities per se. We're just living our lives. But, you know, two interesting things. Commonly, we marry or partner up with our opposite money personality type. You know, it's a version of the spender marries the saver and all sorts of things happen in relationships around that. But, you know, there's no bad money personality. There, it's all good. This is just about knowing yourself. But one of the things that happens when women go through divorce is your natural money personality gets bigger and stronger because there's no, if you will, opposing force. There's no one else that's pushing on you to be any different than you are. And so when women are really highly motivated by freedom and they go through divorce, there's a lot of fear. 
that they're not going to be traveling the way they used to, or mm-hmm. there's fear that they're not going to have the freedom to, you know, do their homes the way that they're used to doing. And it may not be true, mm-hmm. but this is the fear, right? And again, that what I call the safe harbor personality, their fear and divorce, suddenly they can't save enough money, right? They're so afraid that they're not going to have the security that they need and they crave. And I would caution these women that sometimes if you are, highly motivated by security and you go through divorce, sometimes these women don't take care of themselves enough Mm -hmm. because they will withdraw inward and every single cent that comes in, they will save because there's a lot of fear going on. Right. And so they're not taking care of themselves as much as perhaps they should be because they, you know, they're hunkered down in their bunker, so to speak, you know, different personality types react differently, but we just want to know ourselves because it helps us navigate the, the crazy waters around divorce. You know, the, I, I love that idea of just the, those, the personalities, and I can totally see it. Where does conditioning come into play? Because so much of it, let's say you were in a marriage where 10, 20, 30 plus years, you've been conditioned to react and respond a certain way to money. I imagine there's such tremendous fear around not even knowing who you are after that, because what was real, what was instilled in you. And talk about that. Oh my God, boy, you are so right on. So people are the way they are around money. If we just want to say it like that, you know, for a lot of reasons, one piece is our upbringing, you know, so it really does go back to childhood that our our core type really is set and coming out of how we were raised around money. You know, like a quick example, if you saw your parents fight about money, You may not have known a lot about what is money, but you knew it was important. And a lot of times the simplified belief that comes out is, okay, money. Money causes conflict, causes pain. Money makes mom cry. Don't talk about money. And so we grow up and then we live out these beliefs in our marriages where, you know, in this example, we don't talk about money as much as we should because we just assume it's going to cause conflict. Now, what, what you're bringing up adds this whole other layer because- It's not like we don't keep growing and developing, right? So we marry, let's say we're, you know, 25 or 30 when we marry. Maybe we marry someone who's a little bit different than us, but over the years, we still react against each other. We don't think about it that way, you know, and in our field, it's called polarizing. You know, we couples often will polarize with each other and they, no one talks about this, right? But for example, if you're married to someone who's a huge saver, well, sometimes that really can start bugging you. And so over the years, the more he saves, the more you'll be like, "Mm, he can't tell me what to do with my money. I'm going to spend to prove Mm -hmm. that I'm okay and I'm autonomous and I'm free and I can do what I want. But the more you do that, the more he may react like, oh, I better save more. I better save more. And the more he saves, the more you want to spend to prove that you can do what you want. And so much of this is not conscious. It's Mm. like you said, you've got all these years of conditioning and maybe you were the one that was like, Oh my gosh, I have to save because he keeps spending. I've (laughs) married a freewheeler. No, you know? And so now suddenly we're divorced and we don't have this other tether. We're just on our own and it can feel so 
discombobulating, right? Here we are, we're no longer reacting, and yet we often continue reacting. And, and, you know, and I always say that betrayal really lends itself to creating a whole new identity. You take all the parts you love, you leave behind everything that no longer serves, and you create a version of yourself that otherwise would never have been able to be created had the experience not happened. So in that scenario, can you change and how can you change some of the money conditioning, let's say, that was part of the old relationship. As you move out, you're like, okay, you know what? I'm creating a whole new me. I'm creating a whole new relationship around money too. Right on. No, absolutely. You can change. And and this is why I love talking about this because it goes to Socrates, know thyself. Mm. Because if you know, we'll just pick one of the sides, for example, you know, if you know that you are naturally more of a freedom oriented woman and you get divorced, it's like, okay, Great. So explore this, know what the the positives of this are, know what the challenges of this are, know what the shadows of this. The more that we understand, you know, in this example, okay, I want money so that I can be free. The challenge might be that if I'm not fully aware of this tendency, I could go into debt Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I just want to spend to do what I want. But that's less likely to happen now that I have some names for this. Now that I have some wording for this. The moment that you bring this stuff to the conscious level, you're never the same. Then you can be like, you know, I can do anything I want to do. I just can't do everything I want to do. Okay. I am still free. I choose to do this more than this other thing, you know? So looking at and really owning our personality type really helps us be aware of what are the potential pitfalls? Because if you're aware that there is a a pitfall could be around debt or overspending, you're way less likely to fall into it. If your tendency is to oversave and really shortcut yourself on your self-care, but you've never even thought about that before, now you're hearing it, now you're thinking about it, you're going to be far less likely to overly scrimp on self-care. You know that it's the challenge, and so you're going to move towards that growth and health phase in this new time in your life. So it's with all of the moving through the betrayal processes, as you know better than anyone, it is a huge growth time if we're open to that. And I, you know, what I love is it's so, you know, you said the word choose, we're choosing what we spend our money on and so much more. And it's so empowering. It's such a different relationship with money where it could have been possibly you are completely in the dark about money. And I I know so many people look at it as it's just only negative, like the money's gone, or we don't have as much money as we used to have, or now here I am on my own and figuring this out. But there is something so, uh, there's so much personal power from deciding what it is you want to do with your finances. And tell us more about the upside of dealing with our own finances and all of that goes with it. You hit that. My favorite word. It's so empowering, right? I love saying that the art of planning your spending is the art of crafting the life you desire. So there is nothing more powerful than stepping into crafting the life that you most want. And so learning how to plan your spending is really about learning how to architect the life that you want to create, right? So money really is this incredibly powerful tool, but so many of us are, you know, we're we're afraid of it. There's so many feelings that come out through divorce. I think that one of the silver linings around coming out on the other side is 
you are fully in charge of your own money. It's like the version of I now get to sleep in the middle of the bed and hang the art I want to hang. I get to do money the way I want and I can use it to create the life that I want. And so learning how to plan your spending is the key to being totally at choice. That's so great. And you mentioned just creativity. I'll never forget. There was um, someone I was working with and members of the PBT Institute work with me at the transform level. And she was, you know, going through her divorce and she wanted to take her kids on a vacation. Never forget this. And we had this conversation about, you know, there wasn't a tremendous amount of money there. And in the marriage, they used to go on these really extravagant vacations. And she was so saddened by the idea that she wasn't able to do that again, you know, those types of vacations. And then we completely reframed it. And it turns out that we made it so super fun. And she rented an RV and took her kids on this crazy fun road trip just her. So it was the first time she had done anything like that. And her kids said it was their favorite trip of all time. That is a really great example of being able to look at the difference between needs and wants, Mm. right? She may have said, oh, I want to go on this big vacation like we used to. I want to go on the big airfare trip to Europe to whatever. But where you went with her, she said, what's really important here? It's not about the money or Europe or the big airplane trip. It's about the core need and really honing in and on the need is she wanted to spend time away from home with her children. That was the need. And then creativity came in. And there are so many creative ways to meet a need. But most people don't stop and go, what is the core need? Once you name it, you can get really creative, which is exactly the process that you led her through. It's brilliant. Completely unconscious. Look at that. It's like when people move through the stages and they don't realize they're doing it. There you go. I was just winging it and it felt totally right. So give us an example, if you can. I would love to to hear of someone you worked with who was terrified about their finances, or maybe they had none after, you know, after their divorce and lead us through what they were feeling, what they were going through, what they were experiencing and what happened. That's a big question. That's a good one. I love working with women in going through divorce because it's so for shift and change, right? Bring it on. We're here anyway. So we might as well create a wonderful life since this has happened, you know? So I remember a gal, we'll just call her Mary, that she, I think her divorce was finalized, you know, the ink was barely dry, right? You know, it was finalized, but really. And part of what was going on with Mary is she had never been the one to manage the daily finances in the family. So she had a lot of fear around, how do I do this? And she was locked in what I call the money fog. You know, and the fog is, well, what do I spend and where is the money coming from? And when you're in a financial fog, it's not, it, it can literally feel like you're driving in a fog. You're going to hit something and it creates a lot of free floating anxiety because everything is very foggy. And, you know, what, one of the things that Mary and I were talking about is it wasn't just, how do I look at this? But everything had changed. Her expenses were totally different now because she was now basically living as, you know, as a single mom and the income was totally different. And so her fear was, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work. I'm going to have to go get a job at Starbucks. You know, that was her go-to, right? I'm going to have to go get a job at Starbucks. And so as we look, our very first stop was, okay, let's get out of the fog. Let's look at where the money is going now that you are the single mom with these two kids, right? And she had, you know, spousal support and she was working part-time as a coach. So she never looked at all the money that was coming in. And then we started creating 
this spending plan that looked like the new life she wanted to create. And then we started this monthly planning process where we looked at, okay, let's create just as an example, a a March spending plan Mm -hmm. so that you can start looking at where the money is going and where it's coming from. And of course the fear is, does it work? Does it work? Does it work? But again, what we found was a, it worked and she was surprised, right? And be part of why it worked was we really got into how do we creatively make it work? Because it might, it's very rare that it, there's a million ways to make something work, but people don't have a way of looking at the puzzle pieces. And when we lay the puzzle pieces out, then we can get very creative, right? And there were a lot of decisions to be made. And you know, the, you know the, how- and the word that comes to mind right here for me is willingness. If you're willing to consider a different approach, life completely opens up for you. And she was willing to try something different. You you gave her all these ideas and suggestions and then doing it. And then you find, okay, well, you know what, this works. And these are ideas, everybody who's watching and listening, I want you to know what you know and what you've done has gotten you here, which is wonderful. You've heard this. If you're going to do something different, be something different, have something different, it's going to take a different approach. And it sounds like that was something that you offered you know, to, to her as well. She was willing. Exactly. She was willing to say, you know what? I've never done this. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to trust the process. I'm willing to, in some ways, suspend disbelief because I'm so in fear, mm-hmm. you know, and then we trusted the process and everything comes out of that. Beautiful. So someone's in that financial fog, like you said, and they they don't even know what their money personality is. Like, wh- how would they find that out? Well, there's a lot of books that have been written about it. I've written about it. A lot of money coaches will bring people through a process around, you know, their money personality. I've got articles on it on my blog. It is a way of some people will go through quizzes to, you know, figure out what their type is. Some people just want to read descriptions of money types. And once you read it, people know themselves. They really do. Once you read a description of your type, you're like, ah, that's me. I'm the Liberty type, you know, or I'm the... There's, I use four different types in my work because you could also be what I call, you know, the aid worker type. You could be mission driven. There's, you know, more complex people. But reading about it, I think, is one of the, the best, most helpful things for people. And, you know, if your listeners want to email me or shoot me a message, I'm happy to recommend different books for them because it's very exciting to really dive. It's, it's a different form of personal growth. And mm-hmm. what I find, Debbie, is that money work often isn't as big a part as um, as I wish it was around psychotherapy. You know, a lot of my clients have done a lot of therapy, but money has often not been addressed. So it's nice to bring that into the fold so that we can talk about that from a personal growth point of view as well. Which is really important because as you grow, your relationship with money should grow as well. Imagine we don't want to have the same, right? We're growing and we're changing. So should our relationships with money. Can you share with us two or three priorities that someone would have to, that they should be focusing on. They're new to a divorce. And what would be some, just some things that one, two, three, that they should be looking out for? So one of my top recommendations is what I call elegant simplicity. If you are freshly single, it is a great time to, you know, clean out the money closet, if you will. A lot of people have inherited or set up too many accounts and they've got too many checking accounts and too many credit card accounts and too many savings accounts. And that actually induces money fog and anxiety 
mm-hmm. because we have too many places to look, right? So we want to really do ourselves a favor and say, okay, how about one checking account, one primary credit card, and maybe one or two savings accounts. Give yourself the gift of this elegant simplicity. It's, it's just, I think, a huge deal. I think that the other strong recommendation is I do want people to consider the notion of what are they going to use to look at their money? You know, how are they going to track where their money is going? Because we so want to move forward in our life to point B, whatever we define as point B, but we need to know where point A is. Where are we right now so that we can move forward? And I think that the other thing that I would look at in this is maybe a bigger piece, but just this notion of financial forgiveness. Oh, I love that. I term. know that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I know so many adults carry so much shame and blame around money and what's happened around money. And, and I, I like to say, you know, we all have our money story. I've yet to meet someone who has a boring money story. <laughs> you know, chances are your money story is full of twists and turns and it would make a great movie. You know, we just want, we want to embrace that and say, we're all, all on a journey. We want to forgive ourselves for what we consider money mistakes because it's all learning. It's mm-hmm. all learning. If we keep replaying our mistakes instead of giving ourselves the grace to move forward, it really hurts us. It hurts our emotional health and even our physical health to not forgive ourselves. So moving forward, I think is a big piece. I think that's so huge. And it's so true. If anything keeps us tragically stuck to stage three out of the five stages, it's going over something endlessly without having any kind of plan to move forward from it, whether that's just physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, there's got to be something that we do with what we've uncovered, discovered, or we're just stuck there. So I think that's really powerful. As we wrap up, what do you want to make sure everyone knows? What do I want to make sure everybody knows? I would repeat a version of what I just said that we're on a journey. And I, I really honestly believe, Debbie, that we have a relationship with money, whether we've ever seen it from the point of view of relationship or not. And so it's time to get to know money and it is time to really look at how do I enhance and improve my relationship to money? Because it is this beautiful, sacred tool in our life and it doesn't like it when we ignore it and shove it in the closet like anyone in a relationship wouldn't want to be ignored. So when we love it, when we honor and we look at how can I step in and really look at my relationship to money and improve it, money really responds. Mm-hmm. It really steps up and it kind of preens. It's like, oh, look, I'm loved. I'm seen. Let me help out. So really looking at it from a relationship. You know, that's such a great reminder because it's so true. You know, money is something that will be in relationship with our whole lives. What type of relationship do we want to have? I think that's really powerful. So where do we go to learn more about you and the great work you do? Thank you for that. So if people are curious about me, I work with women. I like to say I work with women in midlife that are rocking it in so many areas, but money is driving them crazy. And sometimes it's because they're coming out of divorce, right? Mm -hmm. Like we know that's a big, hard, crazy money time. So Seattle Money Coach, I've got clients all over the United States, Debbie. The website is Seattle Money Coach, seattlemoneycoach.com. And I would encourage people if they're curious just book a free discovery call and I will spend 20 minutes with you and look at, you know, what's the number one thing that's keeping you from feeling in control of your money. 
And so they can book that call and get lots of other, all sorts of freebies and articles and all sorts of helpful resources. They're all on the website, Seattle Money Coach. I think that's so great. Michael, you helped so many people. I know so many of my listeners, viewers are, you know, as they're navigating through their betrayal and, and coming out of it. Yes, sometimes they're rebuilding with the person who hurt them. Sometimes they are not. In either case, it is a time to rebuild. And as long as you're rebuilding, your relationship with money is a great idea. So I want to thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you so much for having me. I just, I love your show and I hope this is helpful for your listeners. I just love the idea of financial psychology and it makes so much sense. I mean, think about it. We'll be dealing with finances our entire lives. So it's important to truly understand it and know how to work best with it. Stay in touch with Michael Ann by going to seattlemoneycoach.com and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. Know your money personality. Does money represent freedom to you or does it give you a sense of safety and security? Once you know that, here are three priorities around money when navigating the beginning stages of a divorce. One, elegant simplicity, less accounts, fewer credit cards, things like that. Two, track it. How will you track what comes in, what goes out and what you're spending your money on? Three, give yourself some financial forgiveness. Whatever mistakes you made around money is in the past. Learn from it, change whatever wasn't working, forgive yourself, and move forward. While finances are often an issue after betrayal, there's also the physical, mental, and emotional issues that need cleaning up too. The things that keep you stuck, so let us help you heal and transform after your experience. Whether you're the betrayed or the betrayer, we got you covered. Just go to the PBT as in post-betrayal transformation, thepbtinstitute.com, and join us for either our Reclaim program for the betrayed or our Rebuild program for the betrayer. And it's pretty common for a couple to come into each program and come out as a new and improved version of themselves, ready for a new 2.0 version of their relationship together. See for yourself at thepbtinstitute.com. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.